you. Good morning. Good morning. It is, uh, again, just a, what a privilege it is to gather as the body of Christ, to gather as a family, to be reminded of who God is, uh, both through the songs that we have sung together, the scripture that we have read together, and even as we start to unpack a little bit more of this good news, what a wonderful gift it is that God has given us this opportunity to be together this morning. Thank you guys as you, uh, as you prepared us. We, uh, we, live, we live in a bad news, fake news world, don't we? It, it just seems like most of the news that we get is bad news, which uh, uh, can be really discouraging at times for us. And, and then sometimes it even feels like if it wasn't for misinformation, we'd have no information at all. Uh, it just seems like so many things that we are inundated with on a regular ba- basis are either just bad news or fake news or how, how, do we, how, do we, how do we navigate it? How do, we, how do we figure it out? And this past week, I really wanted you to listen for the good news. Uh, we said that the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and the good news is all around us. God has given us this wonderful gift of the good news, and, and we just need to look for it, because sometimes what we typically only see are the bad news and the fake news and the misinformation. And I'm curious, where did you see the gospel this week? Where did you see the good news. Maybe you saw some, some, some bad good news this week. Maybe you saw a false gospel this week. I, I shared with you last week about uh, me finding it in uh, country songs. I still, I still listened to country songs this week, but I won't, I won't share more of those with you this morning. I will say I did find some really good news, some, some gospel good news. Uh, uh, Daryl and Nan loaned me a, a DVD called An Appalachian Dawn. Well, I, I say loan, it was like $5.99 a night plus late fees. But uh, Dan, uh, Daryl and Ann, if you would go like this so people know exactly who you are, if you would like to borrow that from them, maybe they won't charge you the late fees for it like they did me, but, but if you would like to borrow that from them, see them, because it was about, it, about this town in eastern Kentucky who was dealing uh, with uh, drug addiction and, and drug abuse, and, and it was just a, a real interesting picture of the way the church kind of came together and responded, and it very much had a gospel message to it. It was very much one of those where the people recognized how desperate their need was. Uh, the church recognized, much like we said last week in the Popeye principle, they were sick and tired of being sick and tired. They were, they'd stands all they can stands and they can't stands no more. And they, they came together and recognized how desperately they needed God's intervention. They knew it wasn't going to be in another social program. It wasn't going to be in another uh, opportunity. It was truly only going to be if God moved in their community, would they ever see this situation turn around? Uh, that, that sense of desperation, that looking only to God, that, that looking for his intervention, knowing it was going to cost them something, and yet seeing the way the church came together in this community, I would encourage you to, to get with them and, and borrow that uh, DVD uh, if you need to borrow a DVD player, let me know. Uh, well, I've got an extra one we'll, we'll let you borrow now that they're all out of, out of storage. But it is, it is truly one of those things where there are so many stories around us, so many news, good news, fake news, bad news stories around us, and they all start the same, right? There's an origin, there's something the way things started. And then every story has a what went wrong piece of it. And then, then there's what do we hope is going to fix this problem or rescue us? And, and where do we place our hope? 
I mean, you might not just hear these stories on TV and on the radio and in songs and movies. Maybe you hear these stories in the conversations you have with coworkers, or maybe with some of your family where you find that there's something that's gone wrong and something that they're looking to, to to fix that problem, someone or something that they have put their hope in. And what we believe truly about good news is often reflected in what we think the answer is. What, what, what are we going to look to for the rescue and for the hope? We, we live in a world that often feels like the, the, the answer to every problem that we have is just more education. If we can just educate people, if we can just get them more and better information, then all of our problems will go away. Well, that's, that's really only if our deepest problem is a lack of education. Sometimes we feel the same way about a lack of resources. That we say, if people just had these resources, whether they're financial or physical or whatever, the re- if they just had these resources, that would solve all their problems as if their only problem was a lack of resources. We even see that when we look around us and think about what's so broken in our communities and in our culture. Is it, a, is it, a, is it the oppression of powerful people? If it is, then, then the answer, the, what we've put our hope in, what we're looking to to solve all of our problems is, is some sort of fight for, for social justice and to change culture and to change expectations. All those things tell us what we have put our hope in for what's going to fix the problem. And all those ultimately are typically kind of bad news, fake news kind of stories. There's only one truly good news, and that's the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want us to unpack that today. I want you to continue to listen for those gospel messages, even if it's a false gospel message. But continue to listen for those messages in the conversations you have with people, in the, in the TV shows that you watch, in the news stories that you see. Where do people put their hope? What do they believe is going to solve the problem? What do they think is broken? And how do they believe it all began? Those are truly the elements of God's gospel good news message And again, over the next several weeks, we're going to continue to unpack that and look at that together. But what I want us to look at today, from Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at the first 10 verses. And I want you to know that when it comes to the good news, that God is the hero. God is the hero of the good news story. So as we start to unpack this, we want to always remember that when it comes to good news, that God is the hero of of the good news. So in Ephesians chapter 2, it begins like this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Talk about starting rough. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, that even when we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, 
because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us could boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. We are, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. In that passage, interestingly enough, it's really just two sentences in the original language. So, so Paul's an interesting kind of guy here. He's known for some of these run-on sentences. And in this particular section, the, the first sentence is really verse 1 um, all the way down to uh, verse 7. And then verse 8 to 10 is all one sentence as well too. But it, it helps us kind of understand the structure a little bit of, of what he's really trying to communicate to us. It, it starts with the bad news. It starts with this condition of how you and I were before Christ. He's writing to the Ephesians. He's writing to believers in the church there. He's writing to encourage them, even though it doesn't necessarily sound very encouraging as it starts off. It starts off with kind of the bad news first, but in all honesty, sometimes to really appreciate the good news, we have to understand the bad news. We have to understand how really the bad news is. If I, if I told you, if I offered you a glass of water, you'd be like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm fine. I've, I've had coffee this morning. Maybe I've even had water this morning. Maybe if I've got water in the car, there's water outside. It's really, really okay. I really don't need a glass of water. But then, imagine if it's been a while since you've had water. And then imagine maybe if you had no ability to get water for yourself. And then imagine how hot and dry your trek across the Sahara Desert or the parking lot this morning was for you that you had no water, you had no ability to get water for yourself, and you were desperately thirsty. And then I ask you, would you like a glass of water? Sometimes we have to understand just how bad the bad news is to appreciate how good the good news is. And that's the first thing that we see in this passage. Like I said, it starts strong. You were dead because of your disobedience. You obeyed the devil. You, these are, this is the description that he's given. This, these just aren't far off people in far off places. These aren't the worst people that we can think of in history, in the history of the world. These aren't people who've committed genocide and atrocities. These are them apart from Christ. This is us apart from Christ. And you know I love an alliteration as much as anybody. And this picture here is one of being dead, disobedient, and doomed. He talked later on in, in verse 3 that how we were by nature objects of wrath, that we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. You and I, apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ, apart from the good news of the gospel, are dead, disobedient, and doomed. We are spiritually separated from God. We have no way to even respond to Him apart from what He does in us and through us. We are prone to disobedience. We, we disobey Him at every opportunity, 
And we, by His justice, deserve the wrath that He has poured out on us. Our situation is bad. It is hopeless. And into that hopelessness, I think Paul here is going to help remind us of the hope that we have in the good news of the gospel. And the first thing I want you to see, really when it comes to understanding this good news here, is that this good news displays God's justice. Now, we love justice. We cry out for it. There's something innate in the way that God has made us, made us that we desperately want justice. When we see crime, or we see sin, or we see difficulty, we want people to be punished to the fullest extent. We want people to have the book thrown at them. Unless it's us. Then, then maybe we'd like a God that would kind of sweep it under the rug. Or maybe a God who would look the other way when it comes to our sin. Now your sin, I really think you need to be punished severely for your sin, especially if in some small way you sinned against me. But for myself, boy, I'm not always a favor in favor of God's justice. I'd like him to be uh, a little lax with me. But that's not who he is. That's not his character. That's not his holiness. That's not how he has revealed himself as the sovereign God over all creation. He is a just God who is just to punish our sins correctly. I I was watching another one of these stories the other day about a pizza delivery guy who saw a house fire up in Indiana. And he stopped and at the risk of his own life and, and, and damage to his own health, broke into that house, rescued children out of that house, went in numerous times. You know, they, they couldn't believe that he did it. And like, what, a, what a picture of somebody willing to sacrifice their life for another. But then I thought, is that, is, that, is that a gospel message? Is that a gospel story of this person laying down his life for a family? He didn't even know. And then I thought, well, you know, it'd probably be a better gospel message if, if they threw rocks at him the whole time that he did it. If the people in the house refused to open the door when he tried to get in, if they said, no, we're fine, it's okay, we're, we're good, we don't need your help, please don't come into our burning home that we have set on fire ourselves and come in and rescue us. And, and that's what we are like before God. That's what we are like before him when we are dead and disobedient and doomed. That is what you and I are like before God. Not only only has he come to rescue us, but in our sin and rebellion, we didn't even want him to. It's not until the Holy Spirit does a work in our lives that we recognize our desperate need for him. It's not until we recognize how nothing else can satisfy to answer our problem, to give us the rescue that we need apart from Him. And the first part of this points to God's justice as pointing to how it is that you and I so desperately need God. I was even watching the news clip this morning, and they were talking about one of these awful videos of of somebody beating up somebody in, in, I think it was on the street somewhere, and and the, the question from the commentator was, I can't believe, you know, this is obviously learned behavior. Nobody is like that. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that. Because according to Scripture, that's the way that we are. That is what's natural for us. 
It is natural for us to, to follow the temptations of the devil. And what a powerful picture here that apart from Christ, the rest of the world is obeying the temptations of the devil. They're taking the bait every single time. They're, they're acting in a way in accordance with their broken nature. When he says there about our nature, we're subject to God's wrath, it's the reminder that you and I, apart from Christ, are by nature and by choice sinners in desperate need of forgiveness, in desperate need of His transforming power in our lives by not only, of, by not only the fall from our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, but also by the choices that you and I make every day. We live in rebellion to God apart from His work in our lives. That's the bad news. But verse 4 might be the most beautiful transition in all of Scripture. I mean, just after he's laid out the bad news and he's pointed to the, 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 the importance of God's justice over all creation, he gives us the most powerful translation in verse 4 when he says, but God, everything changes now. But God is so rich in mercy He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. I want you to see that the second thing here about this good news is not only does this good news display God's justice, it also displays His character. Look at how God is revealed here to us. Rich in mercy, saved by His grace. His great love for us. Very powerful pictures for us of the very character of God. Mercy is not getting what I deserve. If I get pulled over for speeding and I get let go, that is mercy. I fully deserve the punishment for the crime that I had committed. But if I was let go, I received mercy. Grace is getting what I do not deserve. Grace is free ice cream. Right? I mean, Grace is showing up at Dairy Queen on free blizzard date. I don't know what that day is, and if you know, please tell me. Right? It's getting what we did not earn, getting what we do not deserve. Something that was given to us based on the character of the giver, not based on the receiver one bit. That's a picture of grace. Not based on the receiver, but based on the character of the giver, And then also the picture of his tremendous love for us. The lengths that God would go to, his desire for us to be brought back into a reconciling relationship with him. His character. Imagine, we are the people who are dead in our sins, who have followed Satan in our choices, who are dead disobedient and doomed and continually rebel against God and His Word at every opportunity we get. And God loved us. God extended mercy to us. And God extended His grace to us. Now you know why the good news is such good news. See, until we've really understood our true condition before God, as broken sinners by nature and by choice. We don't really understand how great the news is that God gave us mercy. If I, if I don't think I've done anything wrong, what does mercy mean to me? But when I know I'm as guilty as sin, and I receive mercy, I know what mercy is. 
When I know that there's nothing that I deserve and God gives me grace, I know what grace is. And when I have responded to God in the most unloving way possible, and He extends His great love to me based on His character and not mine, I begin to understand more fully how incredible this good news really is. This is really good news. But beyond displaying God's character, I also want you to see that interwoven in these verses from four on is this beautiful transition down to seven again that not only displays God's character, it also displays God's power. Look at all the things that, that Paul tells us that God does through this good news. It says, even though that we were dead because of our sins in verse 5, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. We are now united with Christ. We have new life with Him. And then there's some wonderful way that God has, has and is and will bring about this salvation. There's this beautiful kind of a past, present, and future thing going on here that's far beyond anything you and I can imagine. That we have been saved from the past penalty of our sins and we have this union with Christ now where He is with us. And when He was risen from the dead, somehow we are risen from the dead with Him and we have the hope of the future of being seated with Him in the heavenly realms. We weren't just saved barely make it into heaven by the skin of our teeth. We were saved to be united with Christ and to be seated in the heavenly realms. All incredible, powerful displays of God's power. Actually, in this whole thing, that idea of being made alive is the main thrust of this section. That is what God does in His power to make us alive, to give us life that is a display of His incredible power built out of His character because of His supreme and sovereign justice. It doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't make sense to us that a just and gracious and powerful God would do this to rebels like ourselves. But that's why it's such good news. And fourthly, I want you to see this as we start to, 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 to look at the way this passage concludes. And that's that not only is it just a picture of all these wonderful things, it's also the good news displays God's glory. In that last section there, again, talking about us being saved by grace again in 8 reminding us that, that we can't take credit for it. These are gifts from God. It's not a reward. It even tells us we are God's masterpiece. Some of your translations use the word workmanship there. It's the picture for us that what God has done in us is for the display of His glory. We have not been saved to our own glory, so we might get credit for the good things that we have done. We have been saved as trophy examples of God's character, power, justice, and glory. You and I are the before and after photos of God's amazing work. 
You and I are the people that God looks to in the heavenly realms and says, see that one? You have no idea how dead, disobedient, and doomed that one was. But by my grace, through my mercy, through the power, and through what Christ has done, this is what I have made them now. Not based on what they have done, but based on who I am and what I have done. The only thing that you and I can take pride in or boast in is all, are only the things that God does through us for His glory and no glory of our own. That's why I say when we start to unpack a passage like this, it shows us at every point that you and I are not the hero of the story. It's not about the works that we do. It's clear in this passage that there's nothing that you and I can do to make ourselves right before God. There's nothing you and I could ever do to earn God's favor. It is only through what He has done as His masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ. This has been His plan from long ago to make you and I examples of His mercy and His grace and His love and His justice and His power and His glory. You and I are pictures of just how gracious God is by that by the reality that he has drawn us to himself in Christ. This is what makes the good news such good news. That it's never been about you or I. It's never been about what we could accomplish because clearly from the beginning, we were separated from God from our sins, both by nature and our by choice. It is only through the very power and the character and the glory and the love of God. You know, as we think about these things, again, we, we often think that, it's, that it's, 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 it's our character that God saw. No, this passage clearly won't, wouldn't teach that. It's about the, the good things that you and I have done that God has noticed. Nope, not even, not even close on this one. It's, it's, it's for my glory that God works in my life. Nope, not, not one bit. Actually, it's the complete opposite of every single one of those. Here's the thing I want us to always remember. If you are the hero of your story, it is not good news. If you are the hero of your story, it is not good news. If it's up to you to make yourself right with God, if it's up to you to live the kind of life that would, that would earn God's favor, if it's up to you to do that, it is not good news. It's really, really bad news. There's only one good news, and that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want us to continue to look and listen for the gospel everywhere we see it. As a matter of fact, even in our worship time this morning, we have continual reminders of the gospel. I so appreciate Chris's work and our worship team. They take us through the gospel every single week. If you flip your bulletin over and look at the front of that, look at the front of the bulletin, how it displays the gospel for us, there's a, a picture of adoring and recognizing who God is, seeing who He is as the sovereign creator of all things. He is the God who is just and overall. When we recognize God's holiness, we are forced into a position of confession, a reminder of how much that we need Him. And because of that, we see the assurance and the thanksgiving we can have because what Christ has done for us. Times that we gather for instruction, to be honest with you, 
these are just times to remind us. These are just times to remind us of the truth of the gospel because we deal with so many bad news and fake news stories all of the week that we especially when we gather today want to remind ourselves of the very good news. So the songs that we sing, the scripture that we, that we have, all of those things are designed to reorient us and refocus us back on the good news. And I so appreciate what Chris and our worship team does by helping remind us of that every time that we gather. We recognize God's justice and his holiness and his authority and his sovereignty. We recognize our desperate need for him. We give thanks when we're reminded that it's only through Christ and our faith in him that makes us right with God. And then we respond in a way that's, that's true to this good news. I was actually thinking, remember the, the book I pointed out last week on the, uh, the things to do before you share your faith by Matt Smethers. He even says in there that when this response comes, there's, there's only there's only really one decent response to this message, to this good news message. And it's that we would turn from our sin and it's that we would, would trust in what Jesus has done for us and then we would treasure him as our Lord. Again, you know I love an alliteration that we would turn, trust, and treasure. That is the response that you and I have to the good news. That is our response to the realization of just how sinful we are apart from Christ, just how desperately we need Him, and just how incredible His love is for us. Our only response is to turn from our sin, to trust Him fully, and to treasure who He is, and have our lives continue to be changed by the good news of His Word and by His Spirit. Our, our worship time now will, will have, us, have us respond in that way by by looking at a very visible, visible and tangible reminder of the gospel. We're going to share uh, communion together. Again, it's a picture of this good news for us. It reminds us of the body of Christ and, and the blood of Christ. And it points us to what he has done on our behalf when we were dead, doomed and disobedient. It points us to our desperate need every time we eat the bread and drink the cup. But you know... Oftentimes in Scripture, the wrath of God is described as, as a cup. And it's drinking this cup that, that represents the, the very wrath of God. And in, in this communion time, another way to consider what Christ has done for us is in taking the cup, He took the wrath of God for us. He took the justice that we deserved as disobedient sinners and he took that cup and he drank the cup of God's wrath for us. So in giving his life, in dying on the cross and being risen again by the very power of God, we have another visual, tangible reminder of this good news. And I want to pray as we begin. But as we do, I want to encourage you again that, that uh, we, will, we will invite you to come. And I would ask you just to take the elements. If you're a follower of Christ, this is a, this is a reminder for followers of Christ. If, you, if following Christ is still something you're thinking about, it's something that you are not fully sure that you're convinced of, then, then just wait and we'd be happy to talk to you at a later day. But this is an opportunity for those 
who have, have responded to the good news by putting their faith and trust in Christ and in Christ alone to celebrate this visible and tangible reminder of the gospel together. And if you are a follower of Christ with us this morning, I want to invite you to come to take both a cup and one of the breads and return to your seats. And then after we all have, we will share it together as a family this morning. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that your good news is the only good news. That your good news of what you have done to a fallen and broken world by putting our faith and trust in Christ and in Christ alone is really the only good news that we have. It's the only answer to the brokenness that exists inside of us and around us. It is the only, only rescue plan that we have. And it is the only hope that we have. And God, we are grateful that we can gather as a church family this morning and to celebrate that. That we can be reminded again of the good news that you have sent Jesus through your incredible mercy and grace, that we might put our faith in him. And he has taken the cup for us. He has given his body as a provision for us that we might be rescued and restored to you. God, we thank you for this good news. And we pray that you would prepare us to celebrate and share that together as a family of believers this morning, as we are reminded that every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the good news about Jesus until he comes. Amen.